This is Summer Stovall again, temporarily hosting another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast because my husband, Dave, has lost his voice. Today, we've got a continuation of the previous episode by Susan Fries. Susan is the founder and president of All In Ministries, and she recently spoke at the forum this year about women's discipleship. In this episode, she talked about the short-term mission trip and how you can leave a long-lasting impact on the communities you visit by doing one thing, discipling indigenous women. Worldwide, women believers do not know that they're loved, valued, or that they have a divine purpose of enjoying God and exalting Him by making disciples. When you intentionally invest in local women, they're radically and fundamentally changed. They'll risk their lives to spread the gospel to their families and communities. And that's because these women are considered the keepers of religion in many cultures. Yet few people actually take the time to invest in these women. So let's hear from Susan Freeze with All in Ministries. Enjoy the episode. Good morning. Thank you for being here. I know I recognize a few of you from the other sessions. So you know my name is Susan Freeze. I'm with All in Ministries International. We work with ministries and church leaders around the world to offer intensive disciple-making workshops for under-resourced women. And so with me today is ministry partner, Bethany Barber, who's here from Houston, just joined our staff. Super, super excited. We've known Bethany for many years. My husband, Brett Fries, who's here. You'll be hearing from both of them. We have Billy in the back. His birthday's today. He is a volunteer. Yep, he came up from Jacksonville, Florida as well to help us with our booth. I'm super grateful to have him and his wife, Bobby, who are here. So um, let us start with prayer. Just give this to God. So, Father, we just come before you, and we love you so much. And I just thank you for each woman here and and Nan, and thank you so much for bringing us together. Uh, We we want so much for your glory to spread all over the world. And we know that some of our sisters around the world are um, kept from learning some incredible truths. And so um, you've given us this theological truth. We've given us a relationship, and we want to help other women encounter you. And so, Father, I just ask in this session that you would just Help us take next steps and knowing how to serve women cross-culturally. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if everybody could fill out that card, we're going to have a giveaway for the Bible study at the end. Um, But I also wanted to just let you know the purpose of this session is to help you understand about this global need of um, the fact that many women are kept from discipleship and how to meet that need, and then also tips on how to train cross-culturally. So this will be uh, not just in theory, but we're going to get into some granular, practical steps on how to train others. So with that, I want to ask you, how many of you have short-term missions at your churches, or you support missionaries? Okay, good. So you're all connected in some way of a mission group. and I'll tell you why, because I have, we have a vision to help support you all um, with some of the things that are coming out. Um, because what we see in God's heart is God's heart is for us to all establish these relationships with him and each other so that we grow in our relationship and to be that image of God so that we image him to the world. We see the New Testament as all one big mission letter of how are we going to advance the gospel. We do that with men to, to fulfill our divine purpose. And so what we're going to be doing today is talking about how we do that. But I want you to first imagine with me not knowing that you're loved or valued or matter to anyone. Just imagine that. 
Imagine that you've been told that you are ruined and a burden because you are a woman. You know, for millions of women in under-resourced nations, born female equates to a life sentence of poverty and abuse and exploitation. There are parts of Africa where a woman is told that her value is on being able to become pregnant. So a young girl will give herself to a man just to show that she has worth as soon as she's able. And in Central Europe, a woman's worth is largely depends on her appearance and her education. Um, it's very common for husbands, especially in Hungary and those places, to dismiss their wife once they hit 40 for a younger woman. Um, you'll hear in places in Asia where a woman's worth depends on her past life or her school exam results. So there's this high suicide rate the day after exams. And then we see in the Middle East, probably the worst. Middle East, Muslim girls are actually told that they're ruined and a burden because they are a girl. Uh, the, the father will come home and the kids will run to greet him and the mother will pull back the little girl because she's considered unworthy. It's this global crisis. It, it, I, and I don't think people realize it. At all in ministries, what we do exists to solve one problem. How are we to disciple women to be disciple makers in under-resourced countries? You know, we have so many freedoms and resources here in our nation. We think that anyone can be a disciple of Christ. But the reality is, not only is it illegal in many places, it's also kind of culturally not appropriate for women to seek out learning or male missionaries to even talk to women. You know, I, we mentioned in another breakout how some women can't even ask a question of a man. They're not allowed to look eyeball to eyeball with a man. And so by God's grace, we found a way to bring change. And so we're inviting you to be a part of that with this session. Back in 2011, I was invited to go on a mission to India. And three weeks before I left, I got a call from our missions pastor asking if I would create a women's conference there. And I had just finished reading a book about how God always gives us the right amount of time for all of our assignments. Because, you know, in Western culture, creating women's conference means months of planning and praying themes and speakers, creating the right environment and promotions and food. And who knows? It's like massive to create this. And so I remember as he's uttering the question, will you create a women's conference I remember hearing in my heart, day one is God's work in them. Day two is God's work through them. And I was not manufacturing those thoughts. And so I was writing that day. And now I felt prompted to say yes. As soon as I hung up the phone, 90 minutes later, the entire conference was written. I couldn't type fast enough. I was, it was like I was standing on holy ground. I felt like I needed to get on my knees. That's how fast it came. We arrived in India and learned that some of the women had traveled four days on foot to be there. Can you imagine? Some of them were physically abused for attending because they're the only Christian from their Hindu village. And that's when we're told, the missionary tells us, you know, women are the keepers of religion in their culture. Up at 5 a.m. to ring bells to wake up their gods. And I didn't realize that keeper of religion, women, that's more than just India. Like, that's so many cultures where the woman is responsible for the faith in that culture. So when they become a Christian, they have this authentic desire to know about their faith and to pass it on. But few people are investing in women. I, when we started doing this, I started Googling it. I'm like, oh my goodness, where, who else is doing this? And I saw very little, very little. And in fact, what I saw were just little topics or equipping them on life skills, that sort of thing. 
And so um, what we taught was God's story, the meta-narrative, and then their part in God's story. We help them understand their purpose, and we use like all different types of methods, Bible stories, uh, to be able to convey that. So like the memorial stones, the stacking stones. Okay, when the when your kids ask you, you're to pass it down. And when the nations see, and you're to look up to glorify God. So we use these different learning techniques, especially since most of the world, even, even by choice, are more oral learners. So a lot of times you just have to change up your adult learning uh, strategies. So uh, we, we taught them that, and then at that point, we wanted to teach them how to abide in Christ. Because apart from abiding, we can't do anything of spiritual significance, Jesus says in John 15. We taught them about how to study the Bible, gave them a tour of the Bible, then how to, how to break it up and just asking a few questions and just reading passages, how to pray. I mean, a lot of cultures, they actually have to pay to pray, have somebody pray for them. So for them to say, oh, no, you can go directly. That's a new concept for them. And um, also just in how to do things, power of the Holy Spirit, in a biblically faithful, theologically sound way. How are we going to serve through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and share Christ and suffer well? And then we commissioned them at the end to be a disciple maker, to, to take an oath, like that they would take everything that they learned and to pass it on, risking ridicule or worse. And I remember that first time asking them, and I'm thinking, what did I just do? What did I just do? The room was packed with women. I remember stepping back and just praying, oh, God, please, God. And the whole room rose. It was like they encountered the living God as they made this disciple-making commitment. And so we get back. This is the same conference in India. We fly back and land in Newark Airport, and I receive a message. Would you take the conference to South Africa? So this is not a thing. <laughs> then it was East Asia. Then it's Liberia and Egypt. And this is how it all unfolded. We never pursued this. And we just saw that there's this massive need. And when you invest in this woman, it doesn't have to be anything special. There has to be nothing Western, like all the stuff. No, there's nothing. You can teach this under a tree. And they do. They gather under trees. It's very common to just teach under there. And, and they would take it like you're starving. And then they would go back and they would teach their whole families and then communities. And it was having this ripple effect. So we were hearing all of a sudden about churches starting, women going and risking their lives. We would never leave and forget. We'd always try to follow up if we can catch somebody who understands English and then also has Wi-Fi access. We'd be able to coach them and provide digital downloads and resources. One time we were invited, um, we went back to India. And this time it was a massive group. There was about 4,000 people. And uh, we, had, we asked the locals to be very visible and to lead the conference. We want them to, this to be their thing, that we are not coming in as heroes. That's probably one of the biggest problems with missions, especially in North American. Anyway, so they, um, they were leading this, doing musical worship. They had invited people to give testimonies. This one blind woman comes up, and she shares that, she heard at the first conference that she wasn't damaged goods and that she was loved. So she was told she's blind because of a past life. And so for her to understand, know that she is dearly loved. And so she prayed to receive Jesus. She made the disciple maker commitment. She then asked her little son to guide her to different villages so that she can share the story about my Jesus. That's what she said, my Jesus. And um, often women say, no, I don't have time for this because I have housework to do. Because in that culture, if you don't get things done, there are consequences. And so she said, no, 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 I will do your housework in exchange for you to hear the story about my Jesus. 
And so she would wash dishes and share the gospel. And she'd do this three times a day, every single day. And I look at the pastor's wife and I see tears streaming down her face as she's listening to this, as far as the sacrifice that is being made within her own country. It's profound. I can't can't even describe how they are so starving for it and will risk their lives for it. We were just in Africa, actually. Uh, Bobby, Billy's wife, um, came with me, and we were doing conferences in Kenya and Uganda. And the pastor wrote us recently, and his exact words were these. I memorized them. It said, um, the, the women you have, it, excuse me, excuse me, the, the women have literally turned these two counties into centers of Bible studies, prayer, and evangelism. We've never seen anything like it. <clears throat> And these women, uh, some of them were being told that they're not allowed to share the gospel there because they're a woman. They're not allowed to talk about it. They didn't know that they, oh, no, you're, you're allowed to share the gospel. Here's how you do it. It's very easy. Uh, and for them to then receive it like with joy, like, oh, we get to do this. And then to equip them and unleash them. It's just unbelievable, the profound effect we have. This one pastor said to us in, in Western Africa, he said, you know, when we go to an unreached people group, are you familiar with that term, unreached people group? We ask for, some, for God to send a person of peace. And these are his exact words. The majority of the time, God sends a woman. And I asked, why is that? And, they, and he said, because men want to show power. But women can work effectively very quickly, is exact words. If we are just giving the women a, a value, it's like giving them a voice, and they will use it to, to spread the message of the gospel. There was another time we were in East Asia. It was a closed country, and a Muslim woman was there. She didn't know a word of English. And through a translator told us at the very end, God opened my ears to understand every word to know that he is real. In Psalm 68, 11, it says, the Lord gives the command and the women who proclaim it are a great army. And so our vision in this conference right now, in this room, is to start launching this army of women to go. What we've done is we've taken our curriculum that we that God gave us, the spiritual downloads, and through the 10 years, we've learned how to adjust and do things differently and be better. And we're constantly learning. I <laughs> can't stop learning. Um, but what we've done is we've put it together. It's actually written. It's through editorial. It's now in a graphic de- design phase where we're going to be putting it online free. And we want you to, let's say you feel called to, to go to wherever your church goes. It would take you and one other person as a prayer warrior to be able to go and use the curriculum. You read the script. That's it. And, and then be able to help them. Or you could just read it and become familiar with it, and the Holy Spirit will use your words. Um, basically be intentional. I don't, I don't know, it's the enemy, I guess, of why in the world do, are we not doing this? When we see the enemy attacking from the garden and, and attacking all these different ways culturally, it, we just need to be intentional. That's why I'm so glad for this theme of being able to go and invest in it. It, it would just only take a few days, once a year, maybe not even. Some countries, once you receive it, they are launched. That's all they needed was the, the content and and the permission to go. So what I'd like hope to do is be able to give you some practical tips on how to do that. I want to tell you quickly why there is healthy short-term missions is needed. There's a lot of different views about short-term missions. 
And uh, there are, because there's a lot of unhealthy short-term missions. If you're not familiar with, there's great work about ch toxic charity, you know, this whole Christian tourism thing. I'm, we fight that all the time um, because people come in with this attitude of we are the heroes, we are the rescuers. And it is it's so, uh, it so intimidates them and it makes them feel inferior. That's exactly what we don't want. We want women to go and be launched that's come to serve, not be served. Like we go as listeners and learners, we can learn from each other. There in Ethiopia, we were, were doing a session. I remember I was um, descending this hill in Bonga, India, I mean, Bonga, Ethiopia. And uh, I was told by the leader as we're going down to the chapel that the local leaders in Ethiopia will not go there because conditions are too hard. And um, we get there and the women said they were praying for years for somebody to come and tell them. They were told that they are to blame for all the sin in the world, women are, and so that's why they're not allowed to come to training. We said, okay, let's just look at this. Let's just go through Genesis. I'm not going to say, let's just see what the Bible says. Let's just read through this. And so that's where their, their eyes open to the fact that they are dearly loved, that they also are image bearers. And then they went out and made this commitment, and they were going, They one, one woman would say, even with my age, I will go to the rural places. I'm thinking we are in rural places, but <laughs> there are places where there are no roads that she knows where to go, and she's sacrificing her life for the, the gospel. So the, the short-term missions are very valuable because we can provide, number one, theological education. There are so many great evangelistic crusades that have happened all over the world. Really, it's been amazing. We're going in on top of the shoulders of others that have done such hard work. But the problem is, as one friend explains, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. There's so much poor theological training. I, I don't even pastors. They don't have the training. There's sometimes they don't even have the Old Testament. And we're going in and explaining some things and they had never, because the New Old Testament's not translated. So it's like explaining concepts about the Garden of Eden or Daniel and the visions, because we were hearing about visions and how people were coming to save. They're like, that happened before? Yes, it happened before. And so we'll be able to explain that to them. That's one reason, theological education. The second reason for short-term mission is a foreigner effect. You know, Jesus says, it's recorded in both in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that the prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. We've been in places where, in India, for example, they've done such hard work trying to reach different villages and have been met with resistance because they're Indian. We come in, and all of a sudden, they want to hear what the American has to say. And so we steward that. We go humbly, you know, always point to the leaders. But there's just sometimes where there's an audience just because you're the foreigner or because that's their culture. Their culture is very hospitable, and they are too, in their culture, they're supposed to be honoring another culture coming in. So let's steward that opportunity as a foreigner to be able to present the gospel. But oftentimes we go in for discipleship so that they can lead it locally. But there is that. There's short-term missions. Very good for that. Third, unreached people groups. A lot of times where we go and we can scout out different areas, whether sometimes short-term mission is great for medical missions or in other areas to be able to reach an unreached people group, scout out the spiritual temperature of that group before a missionary permanently goes there and locates there. And then fourth, which is the biggest surprise to me, it happens all the time, missionary care. You know, you go over there and I'm thinking, okay, here we are. They know everything. There's all this great stuff and we're going to come along and we're going to serve the local leaders and the missionaries got it all together and we wind up staying up till 2 a.m. because the missionary has no one to talk to about what happened to the daughter or what's going on in their marriage. 
I mean, it, they just don't because, of course, they're foreigners, so they're, they're not being let into the friend group of that, those churches. Or the other missionaries, I don't know what's going on with the other missionaries, but they just don't have somebody to talk with, um, or there are no other missionaries. Um, this is where you can come in and lovingly encourage them. That's such a huge thing to be a support. I know Bethany and I have talked about that. Bethany was a missionary to Mormons in Utah, and it was so incredible when there would be somebody who come and serve with them there to encourage them. So those are four reasons why healthy short-term missions are absolutely needed. You see, Jesus is an itinerant missionary. You see, Paul is an itinerant missionary. I mean, he's always going around um, to these places. So that's what I, I suggest that you do. What we offer, it's biblical, it's simple. What we offer our curriculum is reproducible. We deliberately keep out all Western things. If you have props, take it out because they can't reproduce it. You know, so even, I mean, pen and paper would be probably an exception if their culture allows for that. But you want to be able to have something that the woman can immediately go and say up to three in the morning and say, you know, God's story is creation, sin, Jesus, recreation. And she's automatically able to teach that to them, you know, or whatever it is, abiding in Christ, for example. We say, read just 10 passages in, in, in the Bible. And out of those 10 passages, what's one verse that seems really important? And out of that one verse, What's one word or phrase that you can hold on to for your spiritual nourishment for that day? That to be your, for to start them on quiet time. And so I remember hearing, we just recently heard this woman say like, you know, normally I wake up and I throw my blankets off and I get up. And this time I didn't throw my blankets off. I grabbed my Bible and I decided to read the 10 verses. And I asked God, what is the one verse? And so she's, and then all of a sudden God gave me this one word and I went and told my family and I told my husband and he's now doing it and he, and just multiplying. We had this, um, oftentimes we'll have uh, pastors attend our conference, which is totally fine. Let them sit and listen, unless it affects something, unless the missionary says, no, that it's going to change the, the dynamic, then of course it's different. But this one pastor heard this. He winds up taking it to Nigeria and teaching all of our stuff to thousands of people a week later. So you have no idea what God's going to do in just those spaces of just equipping women. Um, so what also we do is strategic. A lot of times what um, we've seen in women's conferences in the last 10 years and trying to learn from others, how are they doing it? How are they doing it? Women will uh, focus on a topic that's really important to them. And I think it's great. You can share the topic as part of your testimony, but there needs to be this intentional strategy to make disciples. Uh, there's another ministry that does a lot of things with crayons and crafts and things, which are not reproducible, I'm not downing them, I'm just saying it's not going to be able to, the woman's not gonna be able to take that to the next village. Um, so what we do is reproducible and strategic. We want them to not just focus on the works of disciple making. That's another thing. A lot of DMM is all about the checklist. You have to be both. It has to be about this relationship with God in there as a disciple. And through that relationship, it overflows into disciple making. It has to be that both. And, and then you'll see it sustain. That way it's not just something that is a task for another woman, woman to do. Because just like in our culture, women are overwhelmed. And they have very little help over there. They don't even have dishwashers sometimes. So it's like we, they're constantly working hard. So for them to just integrate disciple making in part of their spiritual habits as they're going around life, not as a task list, um, that's what we want to focus on as well. And we, that's how we teach it in our materials. Um, one of the pastors in Uganda said to us, you know, when women come over or when, yeah, they, when women leaders come over, they want to focus on the earthly life of the women. 
um, teaching them skills. Um, they don't focus on their eternal life. And I was shocked when I said that because there's a lot of missionaries in that's a very well covered area. And he says, no, we've never had that. Now in Kenya, I had said, oh, you guys do women's conference? No, we've never had women's conference. We've never had. In Uganda, yeah, they have women's conference. Describe what your women's conference is like. Oh, it's fun days. It's they fun. It's encouragement. Now, that's great. But in terms of stewarding the money that it took us to get over there, like, let's do this to where we're making disciple makers. It's, it's really easy. They actually just, they can grasp it and they'll do it. So we just want to make sure we shift in this conference right now in the space to shift women's conferences to be really strategic. What we do for, it's called Your True Story, our workshop. It's basically three days. We can condense it um, or spread it out. Very easy to spread things out with testimonies or musical worship. But um, we have day one where it's God's story and then their part in it and their purpose. Day two winds up being abiding in Christ how to study the Bible, and we role play too. We'll have groups that say, okay, let's come on up here. So how was your week? And we go through, basically, if you're familiar with three thirds with DMM, it's basically three parts of a Bible study group that anyone can lead. You know, you ask how your week has been, any concerns are you grateful for, or, you know, and then you talk about, okay, let's read this passage twice and answer three questions. What do we learn about God? What do we learn about others? And what is God leading us to know, value, and do? And then what is God leading us to do at that point with what we just learned? And that's it. That's the study. That's the whole weekly gathering is so simple. And women can do this immediately. So we teach practical skills with all of our sessions. We also then teach um, how to pray and ex examples of that. And Ethiopia had said that they, they know how to pray. Uh, they can pray down the rain. It's amazing. What we taught them, though, was they were not aware of hindrances to prayer. Um, they weren't aware of how to prayer walk communities. So just like you tell them, oh, just, it's like a conversation. You're just talking with your friend, but instead of just talking, you're actually praying. Lord, I just pray a blessing on that family. Pray a blessing on this business, Lord. I ask that you rebuke all evil in the name of Jesus, Lord. Would you please save this person? And you're just, just to give you these examples, they're like, we can do that. Anyone can do that. You can talk. You can prayer walk. And how that changed, actually, we received a message recently from a Ugandan woman who said that their whole village is all witchcraft, and one man just prayed to receive Jesus. Uh, she's been prayer walking since the conference. So who knows what God's doing, in spiritually speaking. The last day is worship, um, teaching them how to worship, and that worship is not just musical worship. That's another misperception. You know, that it's all just hand clapping and tambourines and stuff. No, we just help expand that and how you can worship God in your dishwashing and, um, and serving others. We teach them about Holy Spirit in biblically sound, theologically faithful way to understand how to serve and share and suffer well. And then we commission them and have testimonies. Um, so it's, it's a very thought through strategic conference um, that is probably a bit different than what else is out there right now that we want to be able to give away. Bethany, I've asked her to come up and talk about how to train cross-culturally, some tips. Yeah, so uh, how many of you have traveled cross-culturally before? Quite a few. Um, so, you know, it's different, right? And different cultures do things differently. So um, a couple of things you want to keep in mind. Uh, one is you want to lift up the local leaders. So you're coming in for a week or two weeks. Um, they're living there for the long term. And so we always want to come alongside them and support them and um, 
let them pray in the beginning, let them give the announcements, let them lead because they're the leaders, right? And so we're just coming alongside them, um, but we want to let them be visible in it. They're the experts also. They know their people, they know their culture. So we come in humbly uh, and, and, and follow um, their wisdom in that. Also the difference between um, time versus event-based cultures. Uh, we are a very time-based culture here in the US. We start on time, we try to end on time. Um, and other places are event-based. So they might come three hours late, but they're gonna linger three hours after you're ready to be in bed, right? My husband and I were recently in Nepal and there was a particular situation where we really had to die to our American agenda um, because that was very different from what was there. And so um, just kind of keeping that in mind, knowing the culture you're going to and how time might be a piece of that as well. Um, Content structure. So as Susan just kind of walked through the structure of um, uh, what is taught in the conference and you heard it starts with God's story, right? Um, so the idea of we want to keep the first things first so that they're understanding this big picture of what God's doing. Then they're understanding their identity and we're giving them those things before we're telling them how they can go make disciples. So they're being before they're doing which is really important because uh, if you do without being not healthy, I, I share from experience. So um, learning styles. So a lot of the world, a lot of people across the world don't read, right? Um, and so kind of considering um, different ways of learning, a lot of the world, they're more oral learners. Um, in the training that Susan has done over the last 10 years, there's a lot of um, different things to engage them. So things like hand motions, like she just showed us a minute ago, things like role play where you invite someone in and you guys play it out together. Um, so there's different things like that. And these are all incorporated throughout the workshop ideas to help you do that. Also things just like asking questions or having them break into groups. Um, and so the next one is group participation. So we want them to really be actually uh, working through the material and ready to take it, not just sitting there and listening, right? Um, and so making sure there's that participation element to where they're really getting it um, and they can, they remember it, right? It sticks with them. So making sure we're engaging different learning styles and using that group participation to help with that. Um, also, if you're working with a translator, super different from if you're just speaking in your own language, right? And so learning to speak, use short phrases and be intentional to do that um, and how to uh, even read, you know, if your translator's looking at you like, I don't know what you really say, okay, phrase and help them get it so that it can be communicated easily. Um, then also getting feedback throughout the time is really wise. So not just waiting till the end, but also kind of gauging, you know, during a break, talk to the leaders and say, hey, how do you think people are receiving it? And they're like, oh, I think this part maybe was confusing. You can go back and work through that word. They're like, you know, this, this thing is maybe culturally a little, oh, okay, great, we'll adapt. And uh, so be humble while you're there to learn and kind of adapt. But kind of like you said, um, they thought they were the cause for sin. That wasn't on your plan originally. But when you hear that feedback, you're like, okay, we're gonna dive into this, right? Because that needs to be addressed. So. Um, and then also follow up. We don't want to just leave and forget. And so identifying not only those leaders who you initially connect with, um, but also who are the leaders that are kind of raising up from within and getting their emails, inviting them to connect on social media um, so that you can keep encouraging them and keep reaching out and 
uh, and hearing what the Lord's doing and even, uh, you know, providing some coaching and encouragement, prayer, support, those kinds of things. So those are some of the um, just how to train cross-culturally and kind of some different things to think about. And all of this and even more thorough wording is in the training workshop or the training manual we're going to be giving out as well. Um, so uh, just some tips that really have been learned over the last few years. I'm sure some trial and error. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Learn from all my mistakes. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Bethany. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community. For disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org collective and sign up for your free membership today. I wanted to shift and just say about how to, like having a cultural awareness to what you do, um, there are things that we could do inadvertently that shuts the door to the gospel. So we want to be so wise. And the very first thing is to love well. I know that sounds normal, but you know, if you filter everything through a First Corinthians fourteen three lens of everything your word should be through, for their strengthening, encouraging, and equipping. When you call on women or you ask a woman to, can you give us any answers? Does anybody have an idea? And that woman bravely stands up. You just, anything she says, you're just like affirming. That's so good. Thank you so much. Because your kind treatment of her will send the message to the rest of the room that you're safe and that you could, that other people will be more apt to participate. Now, here's what happens if they say a wrong answer. I will still thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That's wonderful. Okay. And as then I'll go on to the teach and I'll correct it in a group setting. I won't correct her individually so that she doesn't feel shame. So you want to be able to be mindful of that. Second thing is to contextualize content. If, if you're familiar with that contextualize, it's not changing the gospel. It's adapting what the true gospel is to what their needs are um, and what their their what you see are gaps. A lot of times when we go, we have our own spiritual forces of evil that we have to deal with. But when we go to someplace else, it is very apparent what theirs are. Just like when they foreigners come over here, like, oh my goodness, you have like so many demons of comfort and all this other stuff. We don't even recognize it. Um, when we go there, we can see some big things that are happening um, that you'll just adjust to. Just like the sin issue, we, we quickly pick, pick that up and you adapt to that. But we were in Romania. Where I had mentioned in a breakout before we were asked to go over and help uh, this fast-growing church, which is very unusual in Romania. They're very, very small churches. This is like multi-mega church. Um, how to help them start a women's ministry. And they, I had mentioned that they wanted to start it looking at a Western approach. And we asked them to stop and just pray and uh, let's see what the Holy Spirit has for your women's ministry. And in that time, we discovered that women had no um, understanding of the authority of Scripture. Um, apparently, I didn't realize this, but in Romania, the older generation 
limits or resists investing in the younger generation because they were not around for communism. And so there's this, I don't know how to define it, a pride issue? Something where they won't, the older women will not invest in the younger women to teach them. And um, so when we understood that the younger women did not know about the, like God's word is the authority, they didn't know how to, talk. they had no idea about the context of it. They didn't understand how to study the Bible with it. We, that's what we started drilling in. Okay, Holy Spirit, we got it. So we'll give them a tour of the Bible. Let's see, just let me show you how it all begins. We actually have in the day and um, your true story is a whole tour of the Bible. And then we uh, will take them down. Okay, here's how you study it. Here's how you memorize it. Here's how you defeat the enemy with it. So we focused on the authority of scripture because there was no authority of scripture in that. And that's just an idea of contextualizing, be able to understand what are the needs, and be able to adapt to that. The third is to introduce Bible stories. I think I mentioned before that a lot of uh, the Old Testament has been translated in a lot of languages. So there's a lot of women who are just are unfamiliar with Bible stories, or you may need to just introduce study, like you're diving deep on the Samaritan woman because there's so much there, right? And you don't realize that they don't understand who Samaritans are. They don't understand the context of the fact that it was shocking that he was talking to a woman. They don't understand that she being married multiple times, I'm gonna try to help you look at her differently. Um, that meant that she has probably suffered a lot of loss and rejection, divorce because if she would not be eligible to be remarried if she was a sinful woman. So just to let you know, that Samaritan woman, she probably was just extremely uh, um, rejected and went through so much pain and hardship. Of course, they didn't have hospitals and stuff, so it was very common for somebody to be widowed young. So you'd see her differently through that lens. So we wanna make sure that when you introduce a Bible story, you're gonna help them understand who, what, before they drop into the Bible, a little bit understand the context of that because they may not have an understanding of the Samaritans only, only looked at the first five books of the Bible or, or what Samaria is all about. Um, be flexible. That is the name of the game when it comes to abiding in Christ and be flexible because you will find that all of a sudden you arrive and um, then nobody's there because the women have tasks to do. So even the missionary said, we'll start at nine o'clock. Yeah, they're not going to get there until they have to get their stuff done because they're required to. So you just go with the flow. And if you're supposed to end at two um, because lunch break or whatever, and they say, oh, no, no, um, we're going to end at one. Okay, well, God knows that. It's not a surprise to him. So you just modify it and then we'll resume back at three. Okay, we'll do that. You just adjust to it. Um, uh, just... I was thinking, goodness, what was that one example? It was powerful. Anyways, it'll come to me. I'll tell you about being flexible because you never know what God's going to do in that situation. He will use whatever time that you're given. He'll use the people who show up, even if it's few or it might be thousands. Like I didn't know that there was going to be thousands when we went back to India. You just go with whatever God has and just know that you're just going to adapt to it. Not to be, just to be flexible. Number five, dress modestly. I didn't know that most of the world thinks Americans are Kardashians. <laughs> I didn't realize that, yes. I, uh, I, they thought that I would come, I don't know. I don't know, they just were so shocked. Uh, you have to just be so mindful of other cultures. You know, in Africa, showing legs is not appropriate. So you'll see this woman is, who's here from Africa, Cameroon, she'll have long dresses on. Why? Because it's not, it's taboo. Uh, in India, showing your shoulders is not okay. You can't 
um, show the bottom of your feet, can't extend anything with your left hand. And those are all things that you can pick up on the internet in five minutes, really, or just ask the missionary. Just but to be dressed mode. If you bend over, anybody can see anything in front and back, that means you can't wear it. You know, just dress with loose things, look nice. I, I mean, you don't have to look like you just came out from the bush either. Um, you want to be able to pre be presentable. I, I mean, there are some times where that is important. In Romania, for example, boy, they are all dolled up. So if you are not dolled up, they don't understand it. In India, I didn't have a lot of jewelry. I don't travel with jewelry. And um, they were, they said it's a bad reflection on my husband. So they were giving me jewelry because uh, it represented poorly represented my husband. I'm sweet enough. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yes. Here, I want you. I don't want you to feel it, the shame. Yes. That you would feel. Exactly. It's so sweet, and that's another thing. Go knowing you have so much grace. Like there is so, the women there are gonna love you just for showing up. You can mess things up, and they will be fine. They will. They will extend forgiveness very, very quickly. It's the most incredible thing. I, I hope each one of you are able to do this because it's so powerful and incredible. Um, let's see, uh, serve uh, humbly. And I mentioned that I can't, that if anything that gives me a little bit of a nervousness about launching other Westerners is this attitude that Westerners go in like they are here and they will have this attitude of superiority and we will come and fix your problems now no we have to go in as learners and servants even in coming early and helping set up and just because you taught all day you know what i'm still cleaning up and picking things up and helping the, uh, the missionary so it's not a burden on them so just go in humbly adapt quickly you're going to notice that you're going to just pick up on things that okay we see an issue um we had a, a big kind of widespread adultery issue in india uh, you know they all have arranged marriages and so that was a big issue okay well we're going to adapt to that we're going to go ahead and let's talk through that um you know talk about forgiveness talk about you know clean starts and talk about being faithful um so that's just something that you just have to adapt to what their cultures need um allow guests for whatever reason, there are men will come or their children will come. They don't have childcare in India. The, all the kids, there'll be 20, 30 kids will sit crisscross applesauce right in front of me. And uh, they are the most well-behaved because they don't have social media. They don't have any of the entertainment stuff. So they are accustomed to be able to sit for hours and listen. And it's so sweet when, when the boys are popping up and they're asking a question. Uh, so they're receiving, you have no idea what you're doing as far as generational impact with the little ones they're listening. Or in Uganda, we had all the tribal leaders in the back because they wanted to know who this woman is. So you don't know, there's security <laughs> issues in some places, closed countries where the husband will accompany the wife to be there because there is a, a security risk for them. Um, if, if possible, ask the missionary, the local leader, let them stay, let them learn. Let them journey along with, with that. Because like, a lot of the content we have is not uh, taught. So we want them to grow with their life. So. Basic do's and don'ts. I already mentioned the first one. Speak tenderly and with humility in your words. Um, you will watch it. You might have to drop your volume because some cultures don't speak loudly. Um, or you may need to pray long. Because some cultures, if you don't pray long, something's wrong with you. So you just take a temperature of like what, what they do and you just mimic what they do. Um, uh, don't make promises or give money directly. This is hard because so often we have resources and we see poverty and a need that can be met easily. And what you do in that moment, if you give money, you're perpetuating toxic charity. 
what you're doing is you're saying Americans are all about money. So then they become more excited about what comes out of your luggage, you know, the earthly treasures than what comes out of you, the conferences, these heavenly treasures. So if you do feel led, let's say somebody really just the Holy Spirit's leading for you to give to them. Fine. Give to the pastor and let them give anonymously when you're gone. So it's not connected to you. So it's so important that you do that. It's unfortunately too often. Uh, do not be critical or complain ever. Never. You see skinny dogs on the road? Don't talk about the skinny dogs. You see the dirty bathrooms? Don't mention anything. You see trash on the road? That's everywhere. Don't say anything. The reason being is it brings shame to them. Even if you're just making an observation to your friend who's next to them, they are going to hear it. They're watching everything. They watch what you eat. They watch how you eat. They watch what you're wearing. Because they're always saying they're so honored that you're there. So they're going to be studying you. So just be on guard. Never. I don't care if anything. Lights go out. It's 115 degrees in the room. You just go to serve God. And you're just grateful that, you're, that he gave you the privilege and honor to be there to serve them. So do not complain ever. Do not try to win-win bartering. Uh, most vendors are struggling to survive. So I know we go in with the American competitiveness. Yeah, don't do that. Like, <laughs> if you're going to have to, you will probably spend less than what you would have purchased it at Walmart or Target or something. So just go in with that generosity spirit. Not, not saying, like, give $20 for a $2 item either, but just don't try to beat them, you know, or win. Um, and then ask permission when taking photos. You want to be inconspicuous. I know we get, Americans are so big on photos. First off, the, when you, as soon as you whip out the camera, they're all going to want to be have take a picture with you. So it's very distracting. Just know that. I would try to save it to be very discreet about it uh, when you do it. And then also, if you're taking a front-on photo with somebody, you ask permission first before you take the photo. Um, don't ever take photo of naked children or anything like that. That would bring great shame. You wouldn't want your children to be taken photos of like that. So just be really, be really, really uh, mindful of that. How to get started. First, and you're going to, if you've been to hear my sessions, you know, pray. You, you must invite the Holy Spirit to lead in this. And I've asked my husband to come up here and share his story and his perspective on prayer, uh, especially as a spouse, because you want that Holy Spirit unity. But Brett, if, would you please share your, what happened um, with your, with, as the ministry was growing. And this is going to be different than what you heard before. <laughs> so, so, uh, I remember the, the, the first trip that Susan ever went on was a trip to Mexico and we did not have a, uh, a prayer team put together. for them. It was the only, the only trip that I didn't feel comfortable with. Like the spirit didn't say, this is good. This is exactly. And I was uncomfortable the whole trip. After that one, that was when Susan had basically it started to assemble that team of, of, of women that are praying for her and for the ministry and even for myself and my boys while she's there. Like, uh, just game changing. Because I there was just this sense of okay, there's this peace out over you know what's going on. So anyway, I encourage make, try to put together that team right. of, of of prayer members. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're going to get yeah. to that. Yeah, the prayer unity of the spouse. Is. Exactly. Um, because they're serving on the team even though you're going. They're the ones holding down the fort. 
So they're very much on the team and, and you don't want the enemy to be able to get near and do anything. So it's like you want to cover them with prayer and have the Holy Spirit unity in this because the reality is God answers prayer. Like It's crazy. That's the most unbelievable statement ever. God answers prayer. Because you would be surprised. I actually had family members and friends come up to me and say, hey, what kind of husband and yes. father are you to allow your wife to go to these dangerous places? Right? Mm-hmm. So... Without that protein, I won't have that. Right. So, the second thing, Luke 8 soil. Remember when I told you that I was invited to go to South Africa immediately after India? We get there, and we're told, oh, the women need this. Women need this. Yeah, they, they, they need it. We all need it. Um, a lot of the women didn't want it. Um, they were there because of the free lunch. And I was like, holy cow, we sacrificed so much. Now, God still did huge things. The woman's ministry leader there was only a Christian for two years. She didn't know the gospel or how to share it. She led nine people to the Lord in seven days afterwards. So, I mean, God still used it. But at that point, I said, okay, God, I need some sort of discernment as to where we go or who we say yes to. And so God gave the Luke 8 soil. As you know, all the parable of soils, that we want that good soil where they're going to receive the word with a pure, noble heart, retain it, and then produce a hundredfold harvest. And ever since we've asked that, we know that now. Like, our, I know that women need it. Yeah, we need it. Well, 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 tell me about the prayer team. Tell me about what's going on as far as leaders. What are you doing as far as just to get a better sense of what is actually happening before we go over and raise all these funds and, and invest that time? And since then, everything's changed. It's, it's so be mindful of that Luke 8 soil. The prayer team, Brett already talked about as far as establishing that. That is the, They're the ones on their knees doing that, the hardest battle. I don't know how often. I'll tell you a story. We were going through a closed country where we're not supposed to be, and we became invisible, basically, uh, to all the officials. They stopped the people in front of us. They stopped the people behind us, and we sailed through security. No one noticed us. And that's, I know, is the result of the prayer. Of prayer. I know it. Uh, the woman hearing us, not being able to understand a word of English, prayer. I mean, just all these things that are taking place. So do not underestimate the importance of that prayer team. And then keep them posted on the details, where you're going to be, how it's going to be, what's going to happen. We're going to have to cross this border, which is going to be really hard. Let them know. And you see all this happen as God trailblazes the path and is your rear guard, as Isaiah says. Um, number four, identify leaders. You want to make sure that you're investing those leaders and having them go and reproduce this. And a lot of times it's just giving them permission. A lot of times we have all these tools on our website. We always have a version of it that does not have our logo on it. Sometimes because they can just put their logo on and then they can go with their church. Or a lot of times they want our logo because it gives them credibility. Certificates, for example, we have our certificate in Africa. They like will carry around a book of certificates because it shows their value and worth to them. Now we kind of teach you that, that that doesn't have their certificates, but that's a really big deal to them. So be prepared with that as well. Set a date and place that's best for women. This is going to vary all by cultures. In Hungary, we couldn't do anything in during the day because all the women worked. So we had to spread it out over in the evenings. In India, we can't do things during the exams times because the mothers are super focused on making sure their kids are going to pass those exams because it's going to dictate the rest of their life. So just don't even try to get their attention. So you've got to be careful. Holidays, oh my goodness, there you've got to be careful not to be traveling during certain holidays because it can be dangerous. Or elections, for example. You don't want to be in a country with civil unrest. So just be careful with that. It's, I say it and it sounds all very complicated. It's not. It's just asking the local leaders when is the best time for the women, and then you adapt to the schedule. Uh, setting clear expectations. 
again, fighting that toxic charity issue of what Americans coming in and paying for everything. We want to be really clear about what we're providing and what they're providing. Ideally, we have a shared ownership in this. Most of the time in under-resourced countries, we are all paying for their food because the women, if they don't work, they don't eat that day. And I take that as, you know, a lot of missionaries are like, you're not supposed to pay for anything except for your own stuff. Like, yeah, well, Jesus broke bread and broke fish. I mean, something like I, he provided lunch so we can provide lunch. Um, I feel that that's just my personal conviction is um, so. But we want them to create the environment. So they need to pick the church and they need to get the word out and they need to get translators who know religious terms. It's very good to, for a translator to be a strong Christian so they understand the difference between Philippians and the Philistines. You just got to have that understanding. <laughs> um, and also prepare yourself. Uh, you know, I got this first couple missions. I was so focused on um, getting my immunizations and the luggage and everything else. And um, I didn't prepare my heart or my family. So what happened is I was super worked up. Now God put me through a seven year uh, season of uh, learning how to abide deeply and I'm still on that journey. But um, basically really getting yourself ready, your heart ready to know that what you're doing there is a vessel that you're working with God. I shared that before in the other session that you're not doing it for him. You're not doing to get anything from God. You're doing this with him in oneness with him and getting yourself ready and then prepare for reverse culture shock. Uh, that was one thing I didn't even know that existed. Uh, you come back from seeing kids skinny and uh, no clothes and your kids start whining that you're having to you serve whatever and they don't like it or they have to, one was wearing jeans and the temperature dropped quickly and we have very thin blood in Florida. So I'm like, you have to wear some jeans. And I'm like, I don't want to wear shirts. I'm like, do you know you're blessed to have these jeans? It's like, I have to prepare. Okay, these are kids, they don't get it. And I just saw great poverty. So just prepare your heart that you go into the grocery store and you're like, oh my goodness, look at all this food. Like you'll just, you see everything differently. Have gratitude. It's beautiful in that respect as well, but prepare yourself and your family. Next is download and read our curriculum. We're going to offer this freely. Just go through it, observe it, make your marks, highlights, and then the Holy Spirit will lead you through it. Uh, you don't have to memorize it. It is scripted in case in short statements so that you can just read it and the translator would translate everything. So it's, it's done so where you can you don't even have to do anything except read it, but it'd be good for you to become familiar with it. Of course, as you've heard me say multiple times, abide, 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 rest in Jesus, rely on him for everything, release it all, and then receive everything you need from him. The day before we left for Africa this time, um, uh, uh, Bobby and Billy's life group leader came over to their house and gave him $560 randomly. It was a collection from life group. Right, Billy? And um, we didn't know why. Like everything from what we understood would pay for it. We get there and at the very end of the conferences in Kenya, the pastor says, I'm so sorry, I have to tell you, we've been doing something and wouldn't you know, it was like $568 extra that we needed. So Bobby whipped it out and said, here you go. It was just like, okay, God, so you don't know. Whenever you receive something, whenever somebody gives it, you receive it. Okay, we don't know why. You know, I got this free book at this conference with this woman with your true story. I have no idea what this one. All right, well, you never know. God might use that some way um, to in whatever he's planning for your steps. Bethany, do you want to share about how to get connected with us and what we do? Yeah, I'll just share briefly. Um, so we gave all of you this uh, um, grab one up here. Um, this tells you about all in ministries. Um, so you've heard a lot about what we do, but our goal is to equip women to be 
equipped under-resourced women specifically to be disciple makers of Jesus. And so um, we, uh, there's three ways you can engage with us uh, right here. You can be a disciple maker. We have a free online course you're welcome to take and to invite others to take. We use a lot of really simple tools that are also commonly used elsewhere. Um, so some of it might be familiar, um, but you're welcome to use that online or to encourage others to use it. It takes about an hour. You can also be a trainer, which is kind of what this whole thing was about. So if you go to our website and click, there's a page that's called Be a Trainer. There's um, a little web page about it, and you can click and add your name to that. And you will get an email that says you will soon get an email with the actual <laughs> final copy. So we were hoping it would be ready, but it's still finishing up. So it should be within just a couple of weeks. We'll be sending that out along with a series of follow-up emails to kind of help encourage and support you along the way. So um, that's how you can be a trainer and then a missions partner if you have someone you want to connect us with. But really, you're here, so you can go be the person. You don't have to connect us with them, right? So these are kind of three lanes of involvement. Um, do we want to take time for questions or do you want yeah. to have to go? Okay. Do you have any questions? I know I've covered a lot. How do you deal with the women whose um, spouses, um, like, who it's, a, it's, it's illegal or a sin for them to become Christians or to be right. in that environment? Like, yeah. like are, yeah. those, are those people that you minister to, or are you, yes. are you limiting only to, to people who are already Christians? No. Okay, Absolutely. So how do you deal how do you navigate that? Yeah, I point them to First Peter. I think it's three seven, but basically about uh, just loving well your unbelieving husband. And we've seen that we've seen actually real change in the woman just uh, not pushing Christianity on them, just loving well. A lot of times, it's even in small acts of kindness that they would never have done originally. Um, that all of a sudden they're seeing a life tra- transformation. And they want to know more what's happening to their wives. That is the repeated theme, especially we've seen this multiple, multiple times in India and East Asia, where the, it, right now leading in women, leading in those spaces. And so that is where I point them, right to First Peter, is that this is normal. This has happened for centuries. Um, and just continue to love well and pray for your husband because that's also what's happened. But yeah, you'll, you'll encounter women from all different spiritual walks from they have never heard the gospel when they come to your session because they were invited by a friend to they have been walking with the Lord for 30 years, but they've never been told how to study the Bible. So just go in with knowing that they're going to be all over the map. Good question. Is, yeah. You may mention this, but if we're a trainer, do we plan, like we take this curriculum on our mission trips that we're already going on, or do you guys have yeah, it is to go on the ones that you already have. So we are a volunteer-based organization, so we don't have like an infrastructure to plan mission trips. Um, so really, and we figured, you know, there's all these churches that are already doing missions. So if you are already established, that's the beautiful thing, is the hardest part in what our role is, is to find trusted partners. So if you already have a mission that goes every year to Dominican Republic and they do ESL or VBS, Ask your missions pastor, hey, you know, I received this thing. This is, God's using this curriculum in powerful ways all over the world. Wouldn't you mind if I go with a friend and uh, can round up a few of the women if they are needing that or or wanting that? Um, And you watch God, it'll explode that. I've never been a place where the women don't like use it and like will multiply it, even if it's just one or two women. So, yeah. It's a great question. Well, Brett, will you pray us out? Oh, sure. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you uh, so much for this time together, Lord. Uh, may, you, may you use the words that are said, the thoughts that are being produced in, in our minds, the opportunities that we see before us, and that you would go before them, and that uh, you would make our paths clear. And uh, you are not the God of confusion, you are the God of uh, clarity. And uh, we love you so much. Use more importantly, help these women to uh, to work where you're working with you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you all so much for being here. Happy encouragement. Thanks again for letting me host another episode of this podcast. Dave should be better by the next one. Or else he better be. I mean, he's got to lead worship at church this weekend, and I'm not doing that one. So, anyways, if you haven't already, please click the subscribe button so you can stay in the know for when we release new episodes. Thanks for listening. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the Discipleship.org Collective. It's an online community designed for disciples and disciple makers. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you fit in one or both of those categories. And we made this website with your needs in mind. The website itself is super cool because it's like stepping into a virtual church building. There's a welcome center, an auditorium for main events, and even some classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective where we provide weekly webinars, we've got ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you and also your whole church. And don't mistake this for just a website, it's actually a community for disciple makers. Basic membership is free, but there's also a premium access option that includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So go to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today.